So I told you to turn to the book of Acts, and that is where we will be spending a majority of my time. Um, We are continuing on with our series on Up and Out, talking about the direction that Jesus gave his church in Matthew 28. And remember, we had these corny hand signs. We're still going to do them. The direction that he has given his church is up and out. I am so sleepy about went out instead of in. Whoo! Up, out, in. Thank you. So please, y'all pray for me. Oh, Lord, help me. And as we are continually reaching up, out, and in, we are to be doing two things. We are to be serve, or reaching and serving. This is the direction that Christ gave his church. And this is a direction that has got off course. A couple of years, I started hearing about um, this, this theory called missional drift, about the drift of the mission of the church away from the gospel. And I know people would say, well, how is it that a church can drift away from that mission? Well, we're going to talk a lot about that today. We're going to talk a lot about about what that mission is and what that mission looks like for us as a church. But before we do that, I want us to all read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20 together. Starting in verse 16. Now, read with me, guys. Y'all might have to help me here. Starts off in verse 16 saying, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to a mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. If you have our app, you can pull up the sermon notes. There's going to be pretty detailed sermon notes on the note page of our app. If you don't have our app, grab a bulletin or on the back of your bulletin, you can scan the QR code. It will take you to our app and you can find the notes for the sermon in the the more section. When I think about Harmony Grove, I am thankful for what we have done. I'm thankful for what we've done just over the last couple of months. Back in December, we sent or we collected over $18,000 to send out to Kentucky to help many people recover from these horrible tornadoes that took place. We were fortunate to be able to find a group of people locally who were going up there and serving out of their time to help make this a reality for this money that we took up. I want you to know you're going to be helping over five elderly couples who, because they had already paid for their house, they didn't see the need for insurance, they had canceled their insurance, and some of these people have no way to build their homes back. You helped by collecting over $18,000 to do this. Just last month, or this earlier this month, we took up over six thousand or seven thousand between six and seven thousand i can 't remember what it was to go to the Georgia Baptist children 's home man that 's an awesome opportunity for us to serve those children. Those children 
especially on Mother's Day. Those children who are motherless, those children who need a little bit of hope, those children who need a little bit of encouragement. That is awesome. We were able to do that. Then I think to build the Isaiah 117 banquet to build the house for our transition foster home in this community in one night. We collected over $130,000 just to help build this house. And exactly, y'all give a hand to that. What's even more amazing than that, a lot of people don't know this. We announced it at our last meeting and things are moving along with that. We had a piece of property give to us. The house will be, I can't tell you the location of the house right now. You'll know before long. But the house will be located in the southern area of our county. And it's just amazing to see how God is moving through that. But you know, we've got many organizations. Many organizations who exist in our community and do a great job of what they do. I think about the 9th District Food Bank who has graciously been giving out food for many years now. I think of Family Connections, a, a group of in our school that we have done a lot of work with, with helping to provide Christmas for children and helping to provide, y'all remember, um, we bought earphones when pandemic happened. We bought headphones for about a thousand kids to help them as they transition into this virtual time. I think about the safe house, um, the the place for families and children who have experienced domestic violence to go to. And I think about all these organizations, and I've got to say, all of these organizations are doing a phenomenal job in our community. And I'm grateful for all of them. All of, our, all of these organizations help make our community a great place. Over the year, y'all have been a part of a lot of this too. Y'all have helped also with Thanksgiving dinners yearly. We provide at least a thousand Thanksgiving meals every year. What a blessing. Our clothing ministry has put clothes on many kids, many foster families, and has helped with a need in many different ways. We give away food. We give away a lot of food during all the COVID stuff that was going on. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I seriously do believe that if Harmony Grove did not exist, that there would be a hole left in this community. But even with all of that that we've done, there's still a little hole inside of us. There's a hole inside of us because we have, in a way, even bought into this whole concept of mission drift. The purpose of the church is not just to do good. The purpose of the church is to continually present the gospel. Meeting these needs in our community, I'm going to be honest with you, meeting these needs in our community, it's a great thing. And you know why we like to do this? Because, what was that? Sharing the gospel sometimes, but it doesn't always happen. But we're getting to that. But here's the thing. We like to do these things because we can see instant results. We can see relief brought to people. We can see people's needs being met. And we love this. 
But the thing is, what we don't understand is our faith isn't about seeing. Our faith has never been about seeing. Our faith is about believing in something that this world cannot offer. It's about offering something to people that they need more than food, more than clothes, more than a home. It's about offering something to these people that we can't do ourselves. Meeting the needs in our community brings us fulfillment. It brings us great fulfillment. It makes us feel good about what we do. It makes us feel good about ourselves. But even in feeling good about yourself, we can still miss what it is that we are here to do. And that is the gospel. And I know some of you are thinking, but, but preacher, Jesus fed people. Yeah, he fed them after he preached to them. But Jesus, but Jesus healed people. Yeah, he did. But he also continually preached to them. And in one of the most eye-opening verses to me about Jesus and his ministry in Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read it for you. It'll be up on the screen. Jesus has been working tirelessly, healing, loving on people, showing people that he is the Son of God, working these amazing miracles, meeting their physical needs. And he gets exhausted. He gets absolutely exhausted. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, after he'd woke up, it said early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He got up and he left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and, and, the, and his companies of companions searched for him and they found him and said to him, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Why were they looking for him? Why were they looking for Jesus? Anybody know? They were looking for Jesus because they were sick. They were looking for Jesus because they had a need. They had a physical need that they needed met. But look at what Jesus says here, because this is eye-opening. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else. Do what? There's people who are hungry. There's people who are sick. There's people who have earthly, physical needs. Why would Jesus say, but let us go somewhere else? And then he goes on to say, to the, near, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also. For that, that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. In Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is telling his disciples how he desires for them to serve out. We are focusing on looking out in our community. And in this, episode, in this part of our sermon, we're going to talk about what it really means to serve our community. And brothers, I'm going to tell you something. Serving is more than a piece of bread. 
Serving is more than a piece of clothes. Serving is so much more than any material need that we can give them. The way Jesus desires for his, gospel, for his disciples to serve out is with the gospel. The gospel meets needs that this earth will never meet. It gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us freedom. It gives us forgiveness. But there's something else it gives us, and we miss this. In this scripture, in Matthew chapter 28, we miss this a lot. It gives us identity. He tells the disciples, baptize them. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Any of you ever wondered why I said that? We always think it's just a cute saying that the pastor says whenever we baptize, don't we? Well, when I got baptized, the pastor held up his right hand. Right hand, Sorry. Told you. I'll get it together here soon. Held up his right hand and said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. But have we ever really thought about what's being said? When that pastor, when that deacon, or when that person is baptizing you. And the best place to find this about what is being talked about is actually in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we see Pentecost. And I want, to, I want you to observe something here that we're not going to read through. Because we're going to start off at Peter's sermon. But when they start preaching, it's Pentecost. First, everybody thinks that they're mad. Everybody thinks that they are drunk. Everybody thinks that they are hammered. Because all these people have come to Jerusalem during the time of Pentecost. And all these people from all over the place have different native tongues. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon these people, they start hearing everybody in their own native tongue. They're absolutely beside themselves about what's going on. So Peter starts off with his sermon in verse 14, and I'm going to read the whole thing, but we're only going to hammer on one little portion of this. So bear with me as I read this. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. 
The sun will become dark. The moon will turn red before, the, before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him. As you will know, but God knew that would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horror of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grips. King David said, um, said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me and I will not be shaken for, his right, <clears throat> for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead and allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised, <clears throat> had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that good that God would not leave him among the dead and allow his body to rot, rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to a place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For God himself never ascended into heaven, yet said, for David himself never ascended into heaven, yet said, the Lord said to my Lord, the Lord said to my Lord, this sit in this place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, make them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of, the, in the name of the, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of, of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, 
to your children and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to that church that day, that day about 3,000 in all. This is the account of the first sermon that is preached after Jesus ascends. I want to ask you a couple of questions. How many clothes were handed out? None. How much food was handed out? None. How many rents were paid? None. How many physical needs were met? Absolutely zero. But how many spiritual needs were fulfilled? About 3,000. About 3,000. And the reason this need was met so strongly is because Peter was identifying with these people. Identity is important to us. Identity is extremely important to us. We've watched all this stuff going on with, 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 with all the social injustice and all these other things that are going on. And one thing that's been missed in all this, and I know people are on both sides of it, but one thing that has been missed on this is identity is important. Ethnicity is important because that is who I am. That is who I am and where I've come from. And that's something that we should never take away from anybody. It's important to them. But at the same time, an earthly identity only stays here. It doesn't go anywhere else. And when we base our life on an earthly identity, it becomes very shallow. It becomes extremely shallow. And when we are serving out, the best thing that we can do is to give people an identity with the gospel. So what does identity with the gospel look like? Well, he says first there, he says, repent of your sins and turn to God. When a person truly repents, they are acknowledging something. They are acknowledging that they are identifying with a fallen man. They are acknowledging that they are identifying with Adam. We all talk about, we all hear about this. All sin come from Adam. And we have continued to follow in that transgression. We've continued to follow it all of our lives. And the first step to repentance is actually acknowledging your identity in Adam. Your identity in Adam is not, though, the way God created you to be. God created you in the Imago Dei. And when we repent, we are returning 
to our Father. We are returning to the authority. We are returning to who He is and who He made us to be. Man, half of my life as a kid in high school, and some of y'all probably did the same thing. I tried to be somebody I wasn't. Anybody else do that? I tried to fit in for a long time in our school. Most of y'all know that, most of y'all know the Scotty that didn't want to fit in. The Scotty who was the punk rocker. And I'm not saying that's not who I was. Still love it. Can't help it. Sorry. But there was a time that I tried to dress like Southern Appalachia. I don't look good in cowboy boots. I don't look good with a big belt buckle. Sorry, I just don't. And I tried to do this because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to have people notice me, recognize me, and acknowledge me. And you know what's crazy? Most of the time, those are the exact same reasons that we do sin. We sin to fit in. We sin to be accepted. We sin to feel good about ourselves. But that's not who we were created to be. The biggest sin that I believe is out there is us not truly trying to be who God created us to be. And when we repent, we are returning back to the Father. This is huge. This is so huge. In Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 7, he says, Seek the Lord while I may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And let the wicked forsake his ways and the righteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. Think about that. If you return to something, you had to be there before. I can't return to a place that I have never been. I can't return to somewhere that I have never witnessed. He's telling us right here, there is a place to where we have come from. There is a place to where we belong. There is a place to where we have an identity. And that is where we return. When we baptize in the name of the Father, we're acknowledging where people come from. And it's not Blairsville, Georgia. It's not Florida. It's not New York. Granted, all these places are important to all of you because those are your home. But brothers and sisters, this earth is not our home. We must return to our true identity, the Amajo Dei, the masterpiece of God. Then, he says there again, baptized, be baptized, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. 
This is what Peter said to them. And we automatically think, when we hear that word baptism, what do we think of? What's the first thing that we think of? We think of this tank. We think of the tank that we sit here. We think of the creek. We think of all these things. And I'm not saying that this is wrong. These are interpretations of what's being said here. He is using a bodily baptism, but he is talking about something greater than that. Because here's what, here's what bothers me. You know, we say a lot of things in church that really aren't right. When people get baptized, we say, well, their sins are forgiven. That water did not forgive their sins. That water did not wash away their sins. You need something stronger than that. You need something stronger than Clorox. You need something stronger than Germex. You need something stronger than any disinfectant that can be made to wash away sins. So what? What is Peter talking about here? He's talking about us identifying with Christ's death. The baptism here, yeah, while it is referring to a bodily baptism, it's not really meaning a submersion baptism because water baptism does not forgiveness. Forgive us. The forgiveness of sin only comes by the blood. For us to have true forgiveness, something must die. That is the only payment that is acceptable for sin. So how do we get forgiveness if we don't literally die? Again, we identify. In Romans chapter six, verses two through four, Paul is hitting on this concept very hard. And he says, how shall we who died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through the baptism into the death so that as Christ has raised from the dead through the glory of our Father, so we might walk in the newness of this life. And he goes on to talk about how if we are united with Christ in his death, this is the baptism that's being referred to here because this is the payment for our sin. If we identify with that, that is where our forgiveness comes from. That is where our sins are purged of us. It's not by water. It's not by a pastor dunking you in a tank. It's by what Christ did for you. It's about that blood that was shed for all of us. But there's even more to it. Because when we say baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're talking about identifying with three entities. The Father for repentance. Christ for forgiveness. But then the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people will say, well, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about your guidance, right? No. Man, it's talking about something so much more than that. 
It's talking about so much more than just guidance. It's talking about what I believe many people in our earth and on our world today are looking for. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was made known to us through John. John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he says, As for me, I baptize by water for repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. But he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What makes this more significant is when the Holy Spirit embodies a believer who identifies with returning to the Father, who identifies with the death, what we don't realize is the Holy Spirit identifies with us. Think about this for a minute. The Holy Spirit coming to indwell in us is God's approval of us. Over the last two weeks, I've had to wrestle. I've had to wrestle with a lot. Part of me has dreaded this part of the sermon because this part of the sermon has made me have to wrestle with a lot of things. But all my life, not all of it, I can't lie, a good part of my life, I did everything in my power to seek the approval of one man. All I ever wanted was to be acknowledged. All I ever wanted was to hear him say, I'm proud of you. And I'm going to be honest with you. This completely wrecked me. It completely wrecked me because half of my life, I felt like I had no value whatsoever. And please hear me out. I'm not bad-mouthing my dad. But I am telling you the reality of what I felt and the reality of what I believe many people feel. I looked for his approval. I was sitting there the other night at graduation and I'm watching those kids walk across the stage. And every one of those kids, when they walked across the stage... They look back at the stands. What were they looking for? They were looking for their parents. They were looking for that approval. Yesterday, we're over celebrating with Easton and Maya and Emery and Madden and all them and Eli, they're out there, they're playing, they're playing wiffle ball. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching my boys swing the bat And when they hit it, we kept having to yell to them to run. But every time they hit it, and they knocked the fool out of it too. Howdy, (laughs) y'all. Guess what they did? They looked back. 
And they look back at me. Why? Because they wanted my approval. They wanted me to see them. They wanted me to be proud of them. And again, I'm not bad-mouthing my dad. Those are many years, younger years that he wasn't there. But I am thankful for three months ago when I went and got over myself. And I told him that I was sorry for not being the son that he deserved. And he looks at me and he says, I'm proud of the man you've become. All of us desire approval. All of us are looking for approval. We're looking for approval and man who will constantly fail us. Some of you look for this approval in your mother. And again, you've been constantly felt by this. But when we identify with our father, when we return to him, when we identify with his son and the death that he paid for us, his Holy Spirit comes upon us as a symbol of his seal on us. And I want to read this to you in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 says this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have an also beloved. You were sealed, sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, a promise, who is given as you a pledge of your inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. When we think about sealed here, we think about, a lot of times we think about secured. But the word that's being used here for sealed is not secured. It's about saying, this is mine. It's about saying, this belongs to me. It's about God saying, I approve of him. The Holy Spirit gives us an identity in Christ by Him identifying with us and calling us His own. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have that than a cheeseburger. I'd rather have that than a new pair of pants. I would rather have that than a month's rent, a power bill paid, because that shows that I'm loved. And this is why we can never drift away from this mission. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying 
that we do not use our possessions. I'm not saying that we don't use all these things to bring about presenting the gospel to people. But brothers and sisters, hear me out on this because we can continue to do good deeds. We can continue to meet the needs of people. But if we do it absent of the gospel, we are no different than the Red Cross. We are no different than any other help organization. In my small groups, most of you have been hearing this for a while about these gospel-centered projects. Here is the real reason we're doing this. Because this is why we are called. So what are you saying, Scotty? What I'm saying is this. Many churches have drifted from the mission of being centered in the gospel. And I'm not saying that we've drifted from that. But I am saying this, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. And when we are saying this at a baptism, I was talking about it yesterday, we're about to be having a baptism soon, before long, and I can't wait to do it. But when we are acknowledging the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of baptism, we are acknowledging people's new identity. And you know what? Food can't give you an identity. It can make you fat, but it can't give you an identity. Clothes, clothes can make you cool, but they can't give you an identity. Physical needs, man, they're only good for a little while, but they can't give you an identity. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can give us an identity. So this morning, as we draw to a close, maybe there's someone here this morning who for the first time realizes that the identity that they've been living all their life is a fake. It's a sham. And maybe this morning you realized that there is a father that desires for you to return to him and that there was and is a son who died for your sins and has given you forgiveness and that there is a Holy Spirit that desires to dwell within you to show his seal of approval. Maybe this morning for the first time, you're believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if that is you this morning, I urge you, do not leave this place without talking to me. When they come up here to sing, we'll start the conversation right here if you want to. Come on up. But for some of you, may, you may just need to hear that this morning, that God approves of you. That God loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you. And that he showed you how valuable you are to him because he filled you with his Holy Spirit. And when he did that, he said, I approve of you. For some of you, maybe this morning as we close, maybe you just want to pray for open doors 
for God to open the doors to the people that are in your life, for you to have the boldness, for you to have the words to present the gospel. This morning, however God is calling you, now's your time to respond. Let's pray. Father, man, I'm so thankful, God, for the identity that I have in you. Because for too long, Lord, I was doing nothing but playing a game. I was trying to identify with what this world said about me. And Father, ultimately I've realized it doesn't matter what this world says about me. It matters what you say about me. And Father, thank you for allowing me to return to you. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your forgiveness that you give us through the spilt blood of Jesus Christ. But also, Lord, thank you for showing me how much you approved of by indwelling me with your Holy Spirit. And this morning, I pray that as you move in the hearts and minds of men and women this morning, that if they leave with anything else this morning, that they leave with this, that you approve of them. Father, you never approved of our ways. You never approved of our sin, but you approved of us. And you loved us so much that you gave your son to die for us. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning as the choir makes... Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.